Hi, Dad. Hi, Celine. Did you know that you and I are about the same age if you count time living in the world? What do you mean? Well, as you know, I left a high-control religious group around the time you were born. So you're in your 20s then? <laughs> well, maybe in my head. The thing is, though, because I had all of my beliefs about morals, science, politics, religion, philosophy provided for me, I spent the last 25 years trying to work out what I should think about a whole bunch of stuff and work out what's going on. No one knows what's going on, Dad. <laughs> well, I think it's about time we did. What Should I Think About is a podcast that sets off on a lofty goal to make sense of the complicated, contradictory, confusing but wonderful thing we call the world. Hi, I'm Stephen and welcome to the What Should I Think About podcast. Celine is away this week, so today we've got a very special guest, an interview that I recorded a few days ago with Riley from the Jexit YouTube channel. So you're going to hear that very shortly. Just before that, I wanted to ask you that if you like the podcast, to subscribe, perhaps give us a rating and a review if you can. There's lots of podcasts out there and more being made all the time. And one of the biggest challenges is to get noticed. And apparently subscribing, rating and reviewing is one of the most important ways to get noticed and get it in front of more people, which helps it grow. So if you could do that, that would be fantastic. Okay, so on to the interview. So I spent a lovely sunny Sunday morning talking to Riley about life outside a high control group, Jehovah's Witnesses. The new experiences, the decisions on what he should think about, a whole load of things and some of the challenges. Now, because this is my background too, I guess we slipped into a bit of jargon non-ex-Witnesses might not recognise. So one of the things Riley talks about is disfellowshipping, which is really when the religion forms a judicial committee, a sort of internal religious hearing, and essentially expels you from the organisation. The consequences of this is shunning, and so many try to come back and get reinstated. And he talks about this. I also make a joke in there about marking him good on the use of illustrations so this is a bit of an in-joke but it's a reference to what used to be called the theocratic ministry school which apparently has stopped now but it used to be a way that they trained witnesses in how to preach and give talks so that's what that reference is okay now i had a few technical challenges so the sound quality isn't quite as good as i would have liked but hopefully this doesn't spoil your enjoyment of what is actually a really fascinating interview so I'll give you Riley. Welcome to What Should I Think About? I'm Stephen, and it's a special edition today because um, it's just me. Celine is away filming on location at Tintagel, so we'll talk more about that when she gets back. Uh, so I'm holding the fort, but uh, I'm not lonely because I've got a very special guest. In fact, it's our first ever guest, um, Riley from the YouTube channel Jexit. Riley, welcome to the show. Hi, Stephen. Thank you very much for having me. Now, obviously, you know, uh, you listen to the, the podcast, so you know that the, the show is really about the journey for people having left a high control group. Um, so, Riley, like me, you're an ex-Jehovah's Witness, is that right? That's correct, yeah. 
Um, so my first question really is, is what was it like to leave? Can you just sort of describe how it felt to leave that organisation? It was absolutely terrifying. Absolutely terrifying. Um, to use an analogy, it was like, have you seen those like science fiction films where you have like an astronaut out on a spacewalk and then yeah. all of a sudden their their tether to their shuttle gets cut and then they just float in in space on their own yeah that's exactly what it felt like imagine right. the, the the fear yeah. that an astronaut would feel in that position that that's that's exactly what it felt like so what would you say were were those fears could you um sort of dig into those a bit more if you can what what sort of things were you were you afraid of were you worried about um, just being completely alone, being completely alone. I mean, I was um, born into the religion. Well, I say yeah. born in, I was practically born in. Uh, my mother started studying with the witnesses when I was about two years old. Yeah. So I've been raised as a witness my whole life. All of my closest friends and immediate family were witnesses. Um, so it was just like being completely cut off from from everyone and everything, my whole community, my way of life. And it was just like being, you know, being adrift. Well, wow. so that there was kind of nobody then. Um, did you have any any relatives, any friends who weren't Jehovah's Witnesses that you could that you could go to? Could I did to? have a handful of friends who weren't witnesses. Uh, mm. Most people I've worked with over the years. Uh, some of them were very, very close friends. Um, and I do have a very, very large extended family, but yeah. um, we, we weren't really close. Right. Um, they, they mostly live either up, up north in other parts of the country or abroad. Um, but, you know, I, just, I was just not used to being alone. I mean, um, I grew up in a very large, busy, noisy household. Um, prior to leaving the witnesses, uh, I was a family man, you know, lived in, with um, a wife and four children. So, I've always been used to that very active family setting. Sure. You know, so to be completely out on my own was just completely foreign and, and very terrifying to me. Yeah, I, I definitely understand how you you feel. I think I felt very similar. I definitely identify with a lot of that. Um, so your, your family situation, did that change a little bit as you were leaving the organization? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it did. I mean, my my um my marriage broke down shortly before I left the organisation. Yeah, uh, so you know, I, I experienced a lot of uh, isolation from that, but at least I still had the you know the the religious community, and uh, my friends who were witnesses. You know, I still had all of that. But then when I was you know disfellowship, well, I say left, but I, I was disfellowshipped. Okay. Uh, when I was disfellowshipped, all of that just fell from underneath me, and it was just it was you know, horrendous. So what, what sort of questions are going through your head then as you're, as you're leaving? I, I should say that how long have you left the organisation? Uh, that was in April 2019, so it's two years now. Right, so from my perspective, somebody who's been sort of gone over 20 years, um, that feels incredibly close you know that feels like it's like yesterday for you does it feel like yesterday for you or is it, it does it well how does time sort of work for you with that to be honest it, it doesn't feel like yesterday it feels almost like a lifetime ago even though because so much has happened in my life since then i mean things have happened 
have, you know, moved so quickly and, and so much. I mean, it, it, it honestly does feel like a lifetime ago. Although, you know, I'm still not over a lot of the, um, the emotional harm that that whole experience yeah. has caused. I'm not over that, but it, it, it does feel like another life, another lifetime. That's really interesting. Yeah. Time is, is we, we, our relationship to time is kind of funny, isn't it? So some things. It's, it's definitely not linear. No. <laughs> You're not a Star Trek fan by any chance, are you? I, I am. I am a bona fide Trek. <laughs> so that sounds like a Deep Space Nine reference to me. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Oh, cool. Okay. Well, we have to talk about that another time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's interesting, though, actually. Star Trek and other science fiction um, I think kind of deals with a lot of the things that we go through. It certainly, mm. I identified with a lot of the, the stories and the ideas. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, okay. cool. Um, so was there like a, a day or a moment, like a, an epiphany or a penny drop moment when you realised that, yeah, this is really happening now. I'm actually leaving or I've actually left. Um, or did it kind of just happen gradually? What would you would you say? There's a point where you can pinpoint, or not? Um, yeah, definitely. I'd say it was the the actual night of my judicial committee. Okay. You know um, that that drive away from the Kingdom Hall was just. <laughs> it, I really did feel like this was a moment that was going to change my entire life. Right. You know. It, it was it was extremely momentous and um it, it was very very quiet as well i mean i was driving on on busy streets but it it felt so quiet you know like the, the phrase deafening silence i felt like a deafening silence you know yeah yeah, yeah. that's so, really interesting um, I, I actually drove to see a friend of mine a, a non-witness friend a very good friend and uh I just I just told her what what had happened and I just was like I'm all alone <laughs> and she said no you're not yeah, yeah so I guess that, that was quite important to you it was it was very very important to me and um you know you know sometimes you're going through a hard time and friends will you know give you moral support and mm. they'll say you know nice and encouraging things um but not necessarily always back it up. This was definitely not that. Yeah. This was definitely not that. She said that I wasn't alone and she absolutely meant it because, because I wasn't alone. You know, both her and, and um, several other good friends, they really made me feel that I wasn't alone. And I don't know how I would have gotten through that whole experience if it weren't for them. Right, so that's, I was going to ask you about some um, people that have, Kind of helped you through that process so obviously that, that's some of those right there really oh yeah absolutely mm. absolutely i mean i had i had friends who um helped me out with laundry you know because i was actually homeless as well at the time yeah. right. you know i had friends help me out with laundry i had uh, friends feed me you know clothe me it, it was literally like the good samaritan story you know yeah <laughs> and none of the good samaritans were witnesses funnily enough <laughs> <laughs> Yes, yeah, that's one of those uh, strange paradoxes, isn't it? Uh, yeah. You know, talk about love all the time, and um, yeah, and when it comes down to it, there's the hardness, the yeah. kind of that um, that steely 
you get the steely side of the organization, don't you, I suppose, then. Um, and you, you have to realize it's not that cuddly, warm place that you thought it was for so long. No. no. Yeah. So you're at, this, you're at this situation where you're driving home and, or it's, you, you've just had your, your judicial committee, you know what's coming. Um, and for the first time, I guess, you, you really realize that you are going to be a non-witness. You're going to be an ex-witness. So obviously you said it was really quiet. You felt like a, an astronaut untethered. Um, what, was, what sort of questions were you asking yourself? What sort of things would go through your mind about what was going to happen and um, yeah, what, what, what your life might be like from now on? Well, um, I was immediately thinking about going back you know what you know really? going through yeah going going through a process of reinstatement immediately i was thinking about that um but that that didn't really last for very long it didn't it didn't really last for very long okay. um i went to a couple of meetings after that um in a new congregation um my very last meeting was actually the memorial of 2019 okay um you know the, the congregation that I was attending it was the one that I grew up in as a as a teenager yeah so I knew a lot of people there so it hadn't been announced yet that I was disfellowshipped because it fell in memorial week okay um so there was like usually like they announced it at the next meeting but yeah it was like a, a little bit of a delay so I hadn't been announced yet but I obviously knew about the decision so I informed a couple of people that I was good friends with in in that congregation and then when I saw them at the memorial, they like forgot and spoke to me by mistake. And then were like, oh, sorry, I forgot <laughs> kind, kind of thing. Um, that which was weird. I, di I didn't really know how to respond. And um, yeah, when, when the memorial was, uh, was over and um, I got back home. Because uh, I, I, I was living with my mother at the time. Um, yeah, I was homeless for two months and then I moved in with my mother. Um, when I got home from the memorial, I was like, I'm not sure that I want to want to keep doing this. You know, I hadn't decided that I wanted to stop going to the meetings long term. Yeah. But, but for the meantime, it was like, it, it didn't feel right. Okay. And I, I was carrying a lot of resentment as well. Yeah. Uh, towards you know, the way a lot of things were handled, not, not necessarily my disfellowshipping. I didn't really have any bad feeling or grudges about, about that. Um, because in my mind, I felt it was justified, you know, with the indoctrination and everything you feel that disfellowshipping is, is an act of love. You feel that it's a good thing. Mm. So I, I, you know, I wasn't complaining about that, but things that had happened before my, my disfellowshipping and you know, doubts that I had about the religion in general and, you know, uh, grudges I had against particular elders and, you know, things that were said and done that I felt were unjustified. You know, all of those reasons, it just, it just made me, you know, question as to whether or not Jehovah is a God of justice. Okay. That was the thing that was going through my mind. I was like, you know, how could Jehovah be a God of justice if this happened and this happened and this happened and this happened? Right. You know, um, and I just, I, you know, prior to that, I'd lost faith in 
certain congregational arrangements, but right. now I was losing faith in Jehovah himself. Right, okay. That was kind of like the straw that broke the camel's back. Okay, so if you thinking back then to that time, you, you go to the memorial because you straight away you think, well, I, I need to make my way back. Mm. Um, why did you think you needed to make your way back? Was, there a, was that just sort of taken for granted or did you have a thinking process around that? Yeah, because I still 100% believed it was the truth. So it was because you believed it was the truth. Yeah. Okay, so you, you start going or you go to the memorial and you think, well, I'm going to start on my sort of process that you know in order to, to get back because it's the truth. Yeah. Then you have that experience at the memorial and you start to, yeah, it, you said it didn't feel right. And mm. then you start to question the, the question of justice. So... Yeah. Jehovah, if he's a God of justice, then why does he allow these things that are unjust to happen in the congregation? Yeah. Is that yeah, absolutely. So, so there you're you're thinking about the element of justice. So, does that start to affect your beliefs around Jehovah himself and the whole religion, or was it just that element? No, it did start to affect my feelings about Jehovah himself. I started seeing him very, very differently. Okay. You know, I'd, I'd always been taught, I mean, as you, you were as yeah. well, as a witness that Jehovah reads hearts. You know, he's a God of justice, he's a God of love, he can read hearts. But I started seeing him in a different light. I started seeing him as being somebody who doesn't necessarily care what goes on in someone's heart. He just cares about whether or not you follow certain rules. Right. I started thinking about that. I was like, you know, how, how that, my experience wasn't really, um, matching up with what I'd been taught about Jehovah's personality, right? Okay, and that and that caused a lot of um, you know a lot of doubts. Yeah. Okay. Um, so so you, you you start to start to have those doubts. So do you stop going to the meeting then after the memorial? Is that yeah that kind that of was way? the very last meeting I went to? That was the last one. Okay. And could you describe your kind of process from there? Then what what happens now to your feelings about Jehovah, about the organization, about being a Jehovah's Witness. And could you just tell us a little bit about that, that process? Well, um, shortly after I was disfellowshipped, I booked a holiday to go and visit with my cousin in the United States. Um, I'd recently reconnected with her. Uh, be and before I was disfellowshipped, we kind of found each other. Um, before that, I hadn't seen her since I was about nine nine or ten years old yeah and uh, we were really close then and we just you know just picked up immediately from where we left off so mm -hmm. um i went out and visited with her in the, in the states and i met a lot of extended family out there you know the, the family i've got in the united states is just huge and they're in different different parts yeah but uh, my cousin was in portland oregon Oh, okay. And I've got so many cousins there, several generations of different cousins <laughs> I, I met out there, and they were all so hospitable and so welcoming, you know. And they were the kind of people that I was led to believe only existed within the organization. Yeah. Okay. And um, between me getting disfellowshipped and uh, going to stay with my cousin, I'd actually met someone as well. Okay. We were in the early stages of a relationship. And uh, 
she actually flew out to Portland to, to meet me and stay with um, me and my cousin for, right. for a few days. And, uh, you know, we just got closer and closer and we, you know, decided that we wanted to commit to each other. Mm. And she also is, she's the most principled and decent and moral person I've ever met in my entire life. And she's not a witness. Mm. So I started thinking to myself, hang on, <laughs> what's going on here? <laughs> Are worldly people, you know, not yeah. that bad, really? <laughs> it's like all these, like, these, that was uh, like another nail in the coffin. Right, okay, that's a good uh, metaphor. So you've got all these kind of... Um, these things that are, are just constantly breaking down those elements, yeah. I suppose. So, you, you yeah. know, the, the, the whole process of, of lack of support for you mm -hmm. and the, the arrangements within the congregation, the, the justice question. And then, and then you're, you're noticing that, that the worldview that you've been taught is different to the one you're experiencing. So, so it's a lie, really, what you've been told. So I guess that's... Yeah. You know that's another nail in the coffin isn't it it's another exactly. yeah okay so um so on when you uh, you talked to us on twitter you you sort of commented on twitter that you found the episode we did about the self and uh, identity really kind of uh, you really identified with that and that's kind of how we got talking i said well come on the podcast then you know talk to us yeah. about that so tell me a little bit about why that episode really resonated with you and what it was about that that made you think yeah i, I get that sure um i wasn't by no means you know a perfect witness mm -hmm. at all you know um i have a lot of flaws i you know broke a lot of rules but out of everything that we were taught as witnesses the the things that i took the most seriously were about how to treat people and how to deal with people, being meek, being mild, being peaceable, um, seek peace and pursue it is the, is the scripture. Okay. Yes, yeah. I know that one. yeah, yeah. And um, as far as it depends upon you, be peaceable with all men. Yeah. You know, all of those kind of things, that aspect of the doctrine, I completely took seriously. Mm. You know, um, I avoided confrontation with people um, I tried to, you know, be a peacemaker, both in my family life and, you know, at work and in, with friends, you know, often, actually, as I was growing up, whenever friends had disputes, they would actually come to me to be, to mediate. Right. Okay, true. Because <laughs> yeah. that, that's just, you know, the kind of role that I had in my, in my social group. Yeah. But um, after the breakdown of my marriage and, you know, leaving leaving the organization, I could see that all of those values that I held so dear, they contributed in a huge part to my demise, so to speak. Well, that's interesting. You know, uh, I started to see that if I hadn't been so meek and mild and passive for want of a better word, a lot of things that had happened to me would not have happened. Okay, right. So I, I actually started to resent the doctrine because of that. I felt like being a witness set me up to being used and abused. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. So that really relates to that that one we did about assertive behaviour, doesn't it? And uh, yeah. Yeah. Got you. Okay. Yeah. Um, so actually, yeah. We... I, sorry. So, no, go on, go on, please, go on. Yeah. Actually, I remember one of the last meetings that I had with the elders as as my marriage was falling apart. Yeah. Um, 
one of the things that really stands out in my mind that I said to them is that the, the Bible, I said, I, I no longer believe that the Bible is, is practical for life. I said, all of these scriptures about being meek and mild and how to deal with people and all the things. So it's, it's like, imagine um, you live in a mansion, right? And you get an instruction book of how to live in a mansion, how to look after a mansion, how to upkeep the, 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 the building, the structure and all of that. I said, all of that is great, but what if you don't live in a mansion, a book like that is useless to you. If you live out in a forest, the kind of book that you need is a survival guide, not like how to look after your stately home. Yeah. <laughs> you know. So I remember saying that to them. I said, that's how I kind of like see the Bible now. The Bible tells us about, you know, um, turn the other cheek and do not render evil for evil and all of those kind of things. But we don't live in a world where that pays off. <laughs> you get what I mean mm, yeah. I just felt yeah. like you know all of these all of these principles and values that I've been trying to live my life by all, all they did was set me up to be ruined you know yeah I mean I think it's quite interesting because um the 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 admonition to be submissive and and uh, essentially you know roll over and, and sort of do what you're told yeah. um that is what we were taught, but yeah. it's not necessarily what the, the leaders of the organisation are like. So, Oh, no, definitely you, not. <laughs> you, you, you kind of get the feeling that there's, um, there's an ulterior motive to just basically keep everybody um, obedient. And I mean, you yeah. get lots and lots of counsel about obedience and following the direction of yeah. Jehovah, which actually means following the direction of the elders or, or the governing body or whoever is sort of claiming that authority so it's um yeah it's not for everybody but in the rank and file yes we have to be submissive but um but those in positions of power and authority don't necessarily have to be submissive themselves no no so i think yeah but i like your illustration i think if i was gonna mark you um on your, your presentation <laughs> i'd give you a good four illustration <laughs> Yeah, illustrations, <laughs> audience contact and use of notes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. all that. Yeah, it's very good. Um, okay, cool. That's um, that's a great illustration. Yeah. All right. Um, so how would you describe yourself now um, compared to how you were as a witness? So let's uh, compare and contrast, um, Riley. Um, I think at, at my core, um, I'm the same person. I mean, okay. or, or I actually want to be the, my, the same person. I mean, it's been very, very difficult to, to kind of determine what parts of my personality are me and what parts were JW me. Oh, that's fascinating. Oh, expand yeah. upon that for me, Riley. Yeah, yeah. It, I mean, that's been difficult. I mean, when I, when I left the organisation and, you know, it was like my my whole identity was gone. Everything that I'd previously used to to define myself was was now gone. I mean, yeah. I was a husband that, that was now gone. I was a father that was now gone. I was a Christian that was now gone. Yeah. You know, it's, I literally woke up some days and thought to myself, I do not know who I am. Yeah, yeah. I don't know who I am. You know. Yeah. Um, so yeah, o over a period of time, it was it was a, a journey of self-discovery. That's things I said, you know, what what kind of things, what do I like? What what kind of person do I want to be? You know, 
and that that was very very difficult um but i i kind of i mean I'm, my partner helped a lot with this she's yeah. been so understanding and supportive it's just been phenomenal um i'm never going to be the most assertive person i'm much more assertive now than i than i ever was as a witness mm. but um it's it's not in my character to be aggressive so i'm always going to be like that to, to to some extent mm. um but i know now that you do need to stand up for yourself mm. you, you absolutely need to stand up for yourself you you, you can't you can't keep putting yourself as second place, mm. especially when you're face when you're dealing with people who who seem as if it's their one sole mission in life to take advantage of other people. <laughs> Thank, thankfully, people like that are in the minority. Yeah. yeah. Um, but you will come across them from time to time, and the overriding principle in in those situations shouldn't be to keep the peace above all else. You know, yeah, you're always that, worried about. Yeah, you're always worried about being a good witness, aren't you? So um, yeah. I know that was something that bothered me. Um, was you know, if I lose my temper, if I if I say something that somebody doesn't like, or even at school, you know, if I misbehave, then it gives a bad witness. People, what if somebody knocked on the door the next day and they said, "Well, mm -hmm. I'm not talking to you because I know Stephen yeah. Mather and he's a horrible person," you know. So that yeah. was kind of like a that that weight of yeah. on your shoulders, isn't it? All the time, it's it's controlling your behavior because you're worried about doing something that's going to give a, a bad witness. And, yeah. and I guess that sometimes means your own needs and wants take a, a, a second or a third place, really. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, as a witness yourself, mm. you know, your, your inner self is tiny. It's absolutely tiny. It pales into insignificance in terms of priorities, you know, compared to everything else. Yeah. Um, I'd say that's the major difference now between, you know, Riley and JW Riley is that, yeah. that, that myself is no longer tiny and diminished. Right. So, so that, I guess, applies to all sorts of things. So obviously that one of the, the main points of the podcast is to explore all these different areas. And we're always very careful not to, say, well, this is what you should believe now, you know, because obviously mm. everybody's choice. That's a wonderful thing of coming out of a high control group is that you've suddenly got all these different questions you can ask yourself. And uh, can you think of any of those that you thought, do you know what, I, I can have my own opinion about this now. And I think this, or, you know, have you ever, have you thought about some of those areas that maybe you weren't allowed to have an opinion about before, um, or you weren't allowed to think that way or do that thing? And now you've, you're, you're, you're able to, or you, you're able to form an opinion about. Yeah, the, the first one that springs to mind is politics. Right, I was going to ask you specifically about that. That's yeah. great. So That's how much do you want to tell us about that then, uh, Riley? Yeah, I mean, I've always been fascinated by politics. Okay. You know, more, more so than I should have been as a JW. Oh, okay. I've always been fascinated by But as you know, you're not really supposed to express an opinion. No. I mean, we all have opinions, but we're not supposed to express them openly. Right. <laughs> Any kind of political opinion. That's completely different to me now because, I mean, waking up, yeah, realising, you know, because I, I didn't just leave the witnesses. I mean, after a, a, a year and a little bit, 
I started researching a religion and just it, the whole thing just unraveled within a, less than a week. <laughs> I was I was no longer of the of the opinion that it was the one true religion, if there even is such a thing, which I, I highly doubt that there is. Um, but after that, I started thinking to myself, now I have to care. <laughs> now I have to care about things that happen. Yeah. I yeah. can't just put it into the back of my mind and say, oh, well, Jehovah's going to come and do a big reset any day now and everything will just be fine. So I don't need to worry about it. I was like, no, I, I do have to worry about it now. I have to care about what's going on in the world. You know, I should be worried every time Donald Trump says or does something stupid, you know, <laughs> because of what could happen as a result. You know, I was like, all of these concerns now that I'd never had before. And I felt, you know, um, an immediate sense of responsibility for my impact on the world, whether that's, um, you know, political, uh, ecological, you know, um, just how I deal with people on a day-to-day -day basis. I, I have, to, I now have to try and leave the world in a better place than it was when I found it. That's really interesting, isn't it? Yeah, I, I think, I think that's one of the most it, it kind of infantilizes you infantilizes you doesn't it the yeah. the organization or the, the belief system because anything that crops up on the news any decisions that you have to think about what do i think about this issue what do i think about that issue oh well i don't need to think anything about those issues because i'm told what i should think about that yeah it's yeah. nothing to do with me i'm literally um i'm not so much a jehovah's witness more a, an observer you know, I don't, I don't really have anything to do with those questions. And actually, I don't even, I'm not even allowed an opinion. So that's great. It lets, lets me off the hook. Exactly. exactly. Um, and I think that makes you feel quite um, semi-detached from yeah. reality, doesn't it? It's yeah. almost like you are literally a, an alien just looking at the world mm -hmm. as a kind of third party yeah um, true. yeah so politics was one of those things anything else yeah. that you started to think about uh yes sex <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> i didn't but, know we were gonna go there but okay <laughs> <laughs> the whole sex and relationships thing yeah. um that's that's something that was you know unavoidable that's not something that i was able to you know just not think about i had to think about i mean um after i was disfellowshipped I started dating almost immediately. Okay. Um, but I, 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 I still had the long-term plan of going back to the meetings and eventually being reinstated or not necessarily a long-term plan, but it's, it's not something that I completely written off. So although I was dating, I didn't want to do anything that would, you know, necessarily hinder that process. So. I, I dated because I, I was, you know, I was lonely, obviously, because, you know, not being, not having many friends. Right. And I just wanted, you know, I mean, I, I married very, very young. I married at 21 years old. Yeah. I hadn't really had any serious relationships before that. Um, so I kind of just wanted to like be a teenager for a little bit. <laughs> but I, I said to myself, I'm definitely not going to sleep with anybody. I said, I'm just going to have a little bit of semi-romantic fun. Okay. Keep it all casual, non-serious. I'm not going to sleep with anyone. And um, I kept to that until I met my partner, who I just fell in love with 
almost immediately. <laughs> but then um, I had to think to myself, is it is it wrong, you know, to engage in a, a, a sexual relationship outside the bounds of marriage? Is, mm. is that something that I still believe is wrong? Mm. You know, and um, I, I, I'm not, I can't actually remember if I answered that question to myself at the time because I, I hadn't woken up yet. I, I still yeah. felt that it was the, the, the true religion, but it didn't feel wrong. I can tell you that it didn't feel wrong. It didn't feel wrong at all. I mean, on the list of um, sins, according to Jehovah's Witnesses, that is right up there. Yeah. And I've done things that are nowhere near as quote unquote bad as that, that I've had a hundred times more guilt over. Hmm. But that I didn't feel guilty about at all. Huh. No guilt whatsoever. It just, it didn't feel wrong. It just felt completely right. You know, I was very, very much in love. Still am. Uh, she was, you know, as, as in love with me as I am with her. And it just, nothing else mattered. Wow, brilliant. So uh, one of the questions I was going to ask you is, uh, what things have you done since leaving that you wouldn't have been able to do as a witness? But you've kind of answered that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there are a couple of other things. Okay, go, um, go for it. Like, uh, well, I've I haven't voted yet, but I've registered to vote. Yeah. Um, actually, last week I was doing research on um, the local candidates for um, for election because I don't want to just vote based on party or 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 anything. I want to I want to make a considered decision. Yeah. So I'm still going through that process um i've celebrated christmas twice how was that the first one was very strange <laughs> it was very strange i mean my my girlfriend is a christmas fanatic <laughs> christmas fanatic all the christmas movies she knows the script from start to finish wow. she used to work in a christmas shop oh wow so i remember when i told her for the first time that you know, I don't celebrate Christmas. And even though I'm no longer a witness, I don't know if I could. It was yeah. just like, oh my goodness. She was, she was like, I don't know if this is going to work. Kind of <laughs> <laughs> but we came to a compromise. I said to her that I would, I would engage as much as I possibly could without making myself feel too uncomfortable. Yeah. And she was very, very accommodating about that mm. extreme, which is, you know, her nature. Um, so it was really, really nice. I mean, the, the whole sense of friends and family and togetherness and just using that occasion to show love to one another, that really, really appealed to me. That was really nice. But I still had some residual feelings of guilt and discomfort about the whole thing. That's and, interesting. Yeah. You know, um, the second Christmas, absolutely none of that. Went for I, it. I, dove into it head first because <laughs> I'd woken up by then and I was yeah. like it doesn't really matter pagan origins or not it makes no difference whatsoever what is pagan even in this day and age you know it is it is it's not a significant thing so I I went all in it looked like Christmas exploded in my room <laughs> <laughs> there were decorations hanging from every <laughs> every space <laughs> I had Christmas jumper, uh, it had flashing lights, <laughs> and I actually wore it out in public. I had a Christmas hat, one of those Santa hats. I wore, you know, I was like, I'm just going all in. 
all in. Yeah, it's really so. interesting, isn't it? Yeah, I think we we were like that really. Um, I didn't really bother with Christmas much when I first left, mm. but then as as my daughter started to get a bit older, then it felt like it was a good thing to do. And now we actually love it. You know, we we um, yeah really into it. But you don't have that tradition, do you? You know, you don't you don't have that underpinning those no. memories that other people have that make you feel a certain way about it. So that yeah. I think that's the thing. But you sort you sort of start building your own memories then. Exactly. Um, I definitely want to do a podcast specifically a specifically about christmas actually so mm. um, i'll obviously time it for the right time but yeah yeah i think it's really interesting how you start to get involved in those cultural events and those things that, again you were never part of you know as a child mm. i'm guessing you sat out of all those things at yeah. school yeah um and you, you yeah you felt very detached from it all and then all of a sudden you're able to get involved in the community and um you know, do as much or as little as you want. That's really yeah. interesting. Yeah, yeah, cool. Is there anything else then? Birthdays. Um, Birthdays, yeah. First day I celebrated, I was still, you know, physically out, mentally in. Yeah. Um, so it wasn't entirely comfortable, but I tell you what, it really opened my eyes because I had never, ever, ever felt so loved and appreciated as I did on, on my birthday, the first birthday that I celebrated yeah. after leaving. You know, and it just made me think, how can this be wrong? How can it be wrong to make somebody feel the way that I'm feeling right now? Yeah. Loved, appreciated, cared for, valued. Mm. I'd never felt all of those things in such a profound way ever before in my life. Um, but as I said, it was, you know, it was, I was still mentally in. But my second birthday, which was four days ago, right cool was, was absolutely Happy. fantastic Happy absolutely birthday. fantastic um <laughs> my girlfriend arranged a um, surprise zoom party oh, for lovely. me fantastic there was a whole bunch of xjw's uh friends who had you know non-witness friends uh several of my cousins and um it was just it was just great it was it was absolutely <laughs> fantastic i had a cake my, my very first birthday cake ever oh wow yeah. Not just the first birthday cake I've received, the first birthday cake I've eaten. I've never <laughs> eaten birthday cake before, <laughs> ever. Of course, of course, there is a, yeah. Yeah, and it had a candle it. on it with the number two. <laughs> 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 and it was, um, it, it was great. It was great. But after all the festivities had ended, I went between feeling really, really loved and appreciated and valued and feeling very, very unworthy as well. Okay. I cried several times during that day yeah. uh, and last year as well, but you know, I, I cried several times and the day after, mm. you know, because um, as I said, as a witness, your, your self, your inner self is a very, very small thing. Yeah. You know, um, I, I, I've only, I've, I mean, I'm, through the course of my activism work on my channel and, and stuff, I've spoken to, dozens and dozens of XJWs and mm. I'll say nine out of 10 of them all suffer from low self-esteem, low mm. self-worth, mm. just feeling like they're never good enough, feeling like they're unworthy, feeling like, um, you know, they're not valued mm. and celebrating your birthday and having people celebrate it with you is the complete opposite to all of that. Yeah. It's the complete opposite to all of that. But, um, 
I, you know, I, I, at times I felt like I, I don't deserve any of this. That's really interesting. Yeah. You know, I didn't yeah. feel guilty about celebrating my birthday. No. I don't feel that guilt anymore. But, I, you know, there were, there were times where I felt like I didn't deserve any of that. I didn't deserve to be considered to, to that degree that somebody's gone so much out of their way hmm. to make me feel special. Like, who am I? Miserable man that I am, <laughs> you know. <laughs> you still got that patter. You still got yeah. those scriptures in you. <laughs> you know, and I think, I think all to to a certain extent that will never leave me. Mm. You know, yeah. which yeah. is a shame. Yeah, I, I guess. I mean, the, the the difference. Well, first of all, I really like that um, the way you describe yourself. Our identity is being small when you're a witness i think that's mm. that's a really interesting way of describing it so it is very small it's kind of almost a, a little shriveled up self yeah. isn't it if you exactly. think of yourself in that way and then yeah. as you leave you you start to feel that you're able to expand that self and explore parts of you and bits of your personality that you didn't really know existed and things that you're exactly. interested in. Yeah. 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 That, and that's, I like that. I think that's a really good way of describing it. Yeah. Yeah. What about hobbies and things like that? Do you, have you got into any interest and stuff that you couldn't have done? Oh, yeah. 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 Definitely. Martial arts. Right. Oh, wow. <laughs> Martial no. arts, definite, yeah. definite no, no, that wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> pre, pre COVID obviously, yeah. cause you know, yeah. but um, I, I started taking um, Krav Maga classes okay and um i was exceptionally good at it um mm. the instructors actually wouldn't believe that i'd never been to a martial arts oh, yeah. or had any kind of martial arts training before um <laughs> because you know i just seem to have a natural aptitude for it um so that's that's something that i really really enjoy and wow. you know once we're allowed to um i'll definitely want to get back into that right it, I, I didn't just enjoy it because I was good at it. It actually gave me a, a huge sense of confidence as well that I'd never had before as a witness. Right, okay. Why do you think that was? Um, I, I, I'm, I really can't put my finger on it. Okay. I can't put my finger on it. I mean, I'm not, I'm not a violent person. I don't, but I do, I've always been interested in having the ability to defend yourself. Mm -hmm. I've always been interested in that. And, you know, as, as, a, as a parent, I guess more than I should have as a, as a JW, I, I taught my kids to defend themselves. Yeah, yeah. You know, I was always teaching them, well, if somebody does this, do this, or if somebody okay. holds you like this, do that. You know, mm. just through things that I've picked up, you know, from, you know, watching TV and, mm -hmm. And, and stuff so I, I guess I've, I've always had an interest in, in that but I was never able to explore it properly okay I've got a couple of other things I'm interested in your view on so um one is the um is, is how society should treat groups like Jehovah's Witnesses and others I guess um I, I tend to call them high control groups but I know mm. the word cult is used a lot how should society deal with these groups that on the one hand, you know, we want to make sure that people have a right to believe even crazy things really. Um, but on the other hand, 
needing to protect people who are members of those groups. What, how do you think we should think about Jehovah's Witnesses and other groups like that? Mm, that's a really interesting question. Um, funnily enough, I was just yesterday just watching a video um, from a YouTuber I've only discovered recently called uh, Cast D. And she has a video and it's about Jehovah's Witnesses, um, their most effective weapon. And it's it's their smile. <laughs> Using, you know, smile, not literally their smile, but metaphorically speaking, the fact that witnesses are so nice and polite and law abiding and friendly. Mm. That's their most effective weapon because people don't think that there's anything dangerous or destructive or sinister about the organization because of that. And it's something that, you know, as an activist now, I find extremely frustrating that the world in general has no idea how horrible the, this organization is mm. simply because the people are so nice. Yeah. Mm. You know? Um, so I think to answer your question, I would love to see uh, I don't know, lawmakers, I guess, you know, people who have the power to to change things, investigate the witnesses and groups like the witnesses a lot more closely, yeah. and not just by looking at the public face of the members, by looking at the harm that they're practices have caused and when I say practices I use that word very intentionally because to me there's a big difference between religious belief and religious practice mm. I'm in favor of people believing anything they want I don't have to agree with it I don't have to like it but I I mean once you start regulating what people believe that's into the realms of thought crime and 1984 mm. and all of yeah. that. And I'm, yeah. I don't want to see or live in a world where a thought can be illegal yeah a belief is nothing more than a thought and even if it's abhorrent as long as it stays in your head mm. i'm completely fine with that but acting it out is a practice mm. and practices should you know be illegal if they cause harm to people mm. and jehovah's witnesses have a lot of practices that cause harm to people you know, yeah. the belief, believe, believe whatever you want. Yeah. I have no problem with that whatsoever. But just because you have a religious belief doesn't mean you should automatically have the right to practice those beliefs mm. if they cause harm to others. And things on that list would be? Shunning. Shunning. Uh, shunning, the prohibition on blood transfusions. Mm. Uh, those those are the big, the big two, yeah. in, in my opinion. Yeah. yeah. Okay, that's interesting. Okay, great. Um, so tell us uh, your, your activism, you mentioned that. So tell us a bit about that. Why did you get into that? And um, what, what's your plans for that? Um, I didn't really get into it. It kind of just evolved naturally. <laughs> oh, that's another thing. I can use the word evolve now, guilt-free. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it kind of just evolved organically. Um, when I uploaded my first video telling my story, I hadn't planned to become an activist. I hadn't planned to for my channel to become, you know, a thing. I just wanted to tell my story and pay it forward because I'd seen similar stories when I was waking up and they were a lot of mm. help to me. 
So I just wanted to, you know, mm. as I said, pay it forward. Um, but then, you know, the response that I got made me feel like I do have something valuable to say. Yeah. Again, that was like my shriveled up self growing a tiny little bit. Okay. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah like it. You know, I started to realize that I not only do I have a voice, I have a voice that some people want to hear. <laughs> you know, so I uploaded another video and another one and another one. And I found it very therapeutic as well. Extremely therapeutic for my own, you know, journey. Yeah. But then when I could see, when I saw that, you know, uh, it was a benefit to other people, that was, that spurred me on. And, you know, almost a year later, here, here I am. And yeah. I have, you know, people contacting me all the time, telling me their stories, you know, asking me to help them tell their story through my channel. And so it, it kind of gradually evolved into activism, but I never decided one day, now I'm going to be an activist. Okay. You know. So uh, what's your thoughts about it then going forward? Are you going to just carry on doing what you're doing? Have you thought about yeah. that? Yeah. I'm, just, I'm just going to carry on doing what I'm doing. I mean, I know there are many, many, I'd say about 90% of the XJW content on YouTube are people who just told their story once or twice and then that was it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's only a handful of, of XJW channels that really make a, a um, I don't want to say career because that doesn't, that's not quite the right word, but mm. you know what I mean. Mm. Um, yeah, there's only a few, but mm. for me, for the time being, that that I, I fall into that camp. Yeah, this isn't something that, in my mind, has a shelf life. I can't, you know, I don't have like a an, an expiry date on on the activism that I'm doing. So, how do you fit it in with the rest of your life? I I, I guess you've got other things, other commitments you have. Yeah, I do. I do. I'm self-employed. Um, so I just I just fit it around my work really. Um, Sunday is like my apostasy day. <laughs> that's like <laughs> <laughs> that's the day that I dedicate to all of my <laughs> my right. apostasy activities. <laughs> cool. Well, thank you for taking some of that out for uh, for this podcast. Oh no, it's all included. This is this is this, this goes down as, as okay. Yeah, cool. Apostasy. <laughs> <laughs> right brilliant okay well um one more question and i've got what i'm gonna if i if we hopefully we interview more people um mm. but um we're gonna do like a, a quick fire round so we'll come to that in a minute um but as you now look to the future um a future that would be quite different now compared to how your future would have been I don't know, three years ago, let's say, four years, five years ago. How do you, what do you see in the future in terms of yourself and uh, and your life? What excites you about it? Um, just the endless possibilities, <laughs> the endless possibilities. Yeah. Um, you know, your, your scope for self-development and aspirations and ambitions and desires fulfillment all of those things are very very narrow as a witness yeah um now that i'm no longer a witness it's just like the whole world has just opened up to me and even if i take some time to decide what i want to do with my life mm. the fact that i have choice now yeah. is just absolutely amazing fantastic great great answer okay well thank you very much i've got um, three quick questions then so try not to think about these too deeply so um i want one film or TV show that you've watched since leaving 
that you would never have watched whilst you're a witness? Uh, Blade. <laughs> Blade, okay. Blade recently. <laughs> didn't cool. think much of it, to be honest. I think oh, okay. it, it didn't live up to the hype, but um, yeah, I would never have watched that as a witness. I've never seen that one, but okay, cool, good one. Um, second question, an interest, pastime or hobby that you've been able to pursue since leaving um, either more of it or or the fact that you can do it at all. You've kind of mentioned yeah. one already, I guess. Yeah, martial arts, I'd say. Yeah, so that's martial arts. Okay. And the third one, an opinion you now hold that you couldn't have held before. Oh, that's a little bit more tough. An opinion that I now hold that I couldn't have held before. Um, there's nothing wrong with premarital sex. Excellent. Thank you very much. Okay, well, um, that's been absolutely fantastic. Thank you very much. Um, um, obviously, I'll put on the show notes a link to your YouTube channel, which is called... Thank you. Jexit 2020. Jexit 2020. And um, so, yeah, definitely recommend listening to that. It's uh, really interesting. You have some really interesting guests. And I think you're a great interviewer because you have that nice manner about you where you you just kind of let the person speak and you just you know you, there's that nice kind of distance you're not interrupting people you're just kind of letting them go with it so I think that's great you get a lot of stuff out that way um, so yeah I thoroughly recommend that and just again thank you very much for being with us today on what should I think about thank you very much for having me I, I enjoyed it Evil Sheep Production.